Hi, y'all. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the Cara podcast. podcast. My name is Madeline. And I'm Holly. And thanks so much for tuning in for this fourth and final episode of Questions for Christians. This one is going to be a big old episode, and we're so excited that you're here. We have a lot to talk about today. This episode is packed full of some really good information. So wherever you're listening right now, take some notes because I promise whether you're a a non-believer or someone who's not sure what they believe in, or if you're a Christian, you're going to want to have this information. Today, we're going to be talking about what determines our salvation. A couple questions that we're going to be asking and answering is, is heaven and hell real? Should I even care? Can I lose my salvation? What determines if I make it to heaven or not? And if God is all-knowing, does he, quote-unquote, decide who goes where? And also, what is baptism and how does that play into our salvation? So, like I said, we have a lot to go through. So, hang on, get your notes, get your Bible, because we're going to throw a ton at you. So, the first thing we're going to talk about, is there a heaven and a hell if God is loving and good? And if God is all-knowing, does he decide who goes where? So this question is actually inspired from a conversation I had with an atheist. He said, I don't believe that there's a heaven or a hell because if God is all loving and all good, I don't believe that he would send people to hell. And I was like, I think the first thing before we kind of jump into this from the beginning is God is a God of justice to give us salvation. But there is a hell because he is a God of justice and he doesn't lie. He, he makes promises. So it, it doesn't make sense. That's a false argument. The first thing I want to talk about is this thing called the Epicurus God Complex, which is actually something I learned recently at Williamson Christian College in my biblical worldview class. This was really interesting. The complex goes like this. If God is unable to prevent evil, then he is not omnipotent. If God is unwilling to prevent evil, then he is not benevolent. But we are told that God is both omnipotent and benevolent then why does evil exist? Is he neither able nor willing? If so, why call him God? This is a very interesting complex because we do know that God is omnipotent and benevolent, but then yet evil exists. So is he not able to stop evil or is he not willing to stop it? If he isn't any of those things, then why even call him God? So I think what's really cool about this one is this is a really common complex for people to kind of get into. And for me, And kind of what we talked about in class is that he, first of all, is able and second of all, is willing and he is coming back to vanquish Satan once and for all. And he did give us the chance to and he gives us the chance every day to turn away from evil. I don't think the question is even about like preventing evil because (laughs) we are the source of evil. Us as human beings, like evil is not from God. Prevention is not his job. It's what to do with it once it's in the world, because we're humans and we're bound to bring evil into the world. That's just the way we are. And I think it's really interesting, like the concept of heaven and hell and like, does God send people, people condemning themselves to hell. God has provided a way out. Like, you know, God is omnipotent. He is benevolent because he has provided a way out because he's capable and he's willing to give his people that option, to give all people that option. And he is so good for that. He did not have to provide a way out, but he did because he is gracious and merciful. Instead, we as sinful humans are choosing to do what God has said in his mercy not to do. And we still choose that. And in doing so, we condemn ourselves to hell. 
it's not that he created hell and said, okay, I'm going to send all these people here just for funsies. It was, he is a holy, precious God who, Madeline, you mentioned this in a previous episode, who cannot be in the presence of sin. Because God is holy, he is set apart. Which, would we want a God who is not holy and who engages in evil? No. Right. So praise him that he is good and he is holy and he is perfect in all of his ways. Because he is that, he cannot be around evil. So hell was created because we are evil and our perfect God cannot be in the presence of sin, which we would not want him to be anyway. I want to bring in Psalm 89 verse 14. Righteousness and justice are at the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So this is David writing about God. And I think what's really cool about this is this is literally showing the character of God. He is full of righteousness and justice. And then Psalm 103, the Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. Yes, there is a heaven and a hell, but he is slow to anger. He gives us compassion and mercy every single day we sin and he still gives us another chance. And all of that is more than we deserve. And him sending his son is more than we deserve. We're bad. We are selfish and our our intentions and motivations are selfish. And there really is nothing that we do that is purely good. And I think that a lot of times we don't understand just how much God has done for us and how bad we are, how big it is that he even gives us new mercies every day. When you really look at it from that perspective, we do deserve hell and we should be going to hell. So it is a very real place. God is slow to anger and he, like Holly was saying, gives us a chance to get out of there. So I think while he is all-knowing, he loves each of us uniquely and he created us uniquely. And then I have Jeremiah 9, verse 23 through 24. The Lord delights in kindness, justice, and righteousness. So for the Psalm 103 and for this one, I don't have the full verses, but it's just kind of the summary. So again, this is more of God's character. And I think a lot of times people are like, if God is essentially predetermining people to go to hell, he is not a good God. Or kind of like that complex that we were talking about, he's not benevolent and omnipotent. But just based on these three verses... God's character is anything but that. He is kind and compassionate and generous and full of justice. And there is a heaven and a hell, but we do all have a chance every single day to turn away from our sins, repent, and then go to heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another verse that this kind of brings to mind. Um, this is Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. And this is like a foundational chunk of scripture. Um, it's like the fullest expression of God's character in the Bible. Like scholars acknowledge this is the fullest expression of God's character. This is when the Lord revealed himself to Moses. So this is when the Lord passes in front of Moses and shows him all his glory. As the Lord passes in front of Moses, he proclaims, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So the whole, most of this passage is about all the things that we associate as like good parts of God, God's character. Like he's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He does so much good, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. But the key word here is guilty. He's not punishing people for random reasons. He is punishing guilty people. For what they have done. Therefore, like he is, that is the fullest expression of justice, punishing the guilty. 
that's what justice is. God has wiped out nations, but he also sent people to minister to them and save them. God doesn't send people to hell. Rather, people condemn themselves to hell by their own actions. And that's something we talked about a little earlier um, in in here as well. And so I kind of want to leave you with this question. Would we want a God that sits idly by while evil is done and does not punish for it? Like we say that, oh, like God is so, like this is harsh. He punishes people. But would we want a God who doesn't punish evil? That doesn't make any sense. Would we want a heaven if evil were let in? If there wasn't a hell and everyone was in the same place, that would not be heaven because there would still be evil. So in order for there to be a heaven, there has to be a hell. Yeah, that's really good. So the next two questions that we're going to cover is, can I lose my salvation? And what determines if I make it to heaven or not? Also add to this a little bit about baptism, plain and simple, is the public profession of your faith. It's saying, hey, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe. I am celebrating my rebirth in Christ, and I'm doing I'm doing this publicly. I'm doing this physically. I'm going under the water and coming back out a new person. Um, it's a really beautiful um, expression of faith, but it is in no way your salvation. That does not, you don't need to get baptized to to be saved. It's a public expression of faith. And I do, I do think everyone should be baptized, especially surrounded with uh, friends and family and witnesses. um, And it should be celebrated, but it is not the key to your salvation. So diving into these questions, um, can I lose my salvation and what determines if I make it to heaven or not? Um, First of all, I, I kind of go back and forth on this because it's not our place to declare ourselves righteous enough to get into heaven. And we really don't deserve heaven, but Even though it's not our place to say, I will be getting into heaven, based on scriptures that say, through Jesus, we are saved, we know that we're getting into heaven. Does that make sense? I've heard heard conversations. I remember when I was in high school, I overheard two people having a conversation about this, and they were discussing. One said, I know I'm getting in heaven, and the other said, I do too, but at the same time, I just, you don't know fully because it's not our place to say I'm going to get into heaven because I know. So I think that's kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say complex or paradox, but it's a little, it's a little bit of both. You can't say for sure that you're getting into heaven because you're not God. But at the same time, Jesus says that if you believe him to be the one true God, then you're getting into heaven. Right. There's assurance of salvation. Yes. Yeah. In scriptures. That was my roundabout way of saying that. I want to bring up Ephesians 2, kind of what I was just saying, by grace through faith we're saved. And the verse is, I'm just going to read a few key parts of it since it's kind of obviously a, a long chapter. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And now I'm going to jump again to a different verse in chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I think that this is a really key part of this chapter. It says, by grace through faith. So what does that mean? I'm going to break that down. So by God's grace, the fact that he loves us so much and he's willing to forgive us, he gave us a chance to be saved, to go to heaven, only by faith. There is no good in the world that Holly or I could do that was going to get us into heaven. 
there is no amount of works that we could do that are going to get us into heaven. Because like we said earlier, every one of us has selfish motivations. None of our works would truly be good or pure. But it is by our faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved and that we get that salvation that we get to go to heaven. So if you believe I'm a good person, so therefore I'm getting into heaven. And I have had discussions with people like that. That's not true. And I'm really sorry because that is super harsh, but it is purely by your faith. And the reason that it's not by works is because one, like I said before, none of us are truly ever good and God knows that. But two, no one can say that they're better than anyone else. And I think that's another really cool thing. God's kingdom is flipped on its head in in comparison to the world. Being a good person and doing good things just doesn't cut it. Sorry about it. But that's one of the cool things is you could have... You could have made every mistake in the world and God would still accept you. There is no, nowhere you can run from God. There's nowhere you can hide from God. There is nothing that is too far that God will not forgive you from, that he will not love you from. On the flip side of that, you have to walk away from your sin. You have to be ready to put that lifestyle behind. You can't just say, oh, I sinned. God, forgive me. Okay, I'm good. I'm going to do it again because that's not genuine faith. So there is another side to that, but genuine faith and a relationship is what gets you into heaven. And so that's something that's really cool about Christianity. We have a chance to to come to Jesus and have salvation, and it's purely a gift from God, which is amazing. I love I love the way that you stress repentance um, because, okay, I'm just going to repeat that again. You yeah. went off there for a minute, Madeline. Like that, <laughs> Holy Spirit in my heart right now. <laughs> I was like, she is preaching with authority here. Um, like, you are never too far gone to be redeemed. Yeah. Like, say it a little louder for the people in the back. Yeah. Like, you're never too far to be redeemed. Um, like, the key is repentance. Like, and the word repent means literally, like, to turn and walk the other way. It's not like, oh, I'm going to say sorry and, like, keep trotting around the path. Like, you have to flippity do yourself around and walk the exact opposite direction. Yeah. Like that is repentance and that is faith saying, God, these have been my ways, but I don't want that anymore because I trust that your way is higher. I'm expressing faith that your way is higher and I'm going to do what you say is better because I believe that's true. Um, so that is so good. Um, and you were already talking about like the relationship between works and faith. Um, and there's this passage in James starting in verse 17. That's really good. Um, and it talks about how faith by itself isn't enough. So yes, salvation by faith, um, and by grace. Um, but if you have faith, um, it says, unless faith produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Um, and so we are to show our faith by our works. If the Holy Spirit is truly living inside of you, if you are a born again believer, the fact that God is inside of you should motivate you to love others, serve others, um, and to do good. That is a natural inworking of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to like force yourself like, oh, I guess, you know, since I'm a believer, I'm going to go, you know, mow my neighbor's lawn for free. It's going to be like... <laughs> I wake up and it's like, how can I serve others today? Right. So to finish out this episode, I just want to cover a few more things. So a question that I had and, and that a lot of people have had is, so what about the people in the Old Testament or the people before Jesus? What about what about them? Because there were believers, but they didn't even have a chance to know Jesus. And um, I thought this was super interesting. So in the Old Testament, righteousness was credited by faith. 
So we have righteousness through Jesus. In Genesis 15, 16, it talks about how, I want to say heroes of the Bible. at the old, So people like Abram and Elijah and those who really walked closely with the Lord, um, they were credited that righteousness by their faith. Righteousness being um, how Jesus takes our place and makes us perfect when, when God sees us. Because of their faith, that righteousness was put in place, which is really, really cool. That answered that question for me. And then I briefly want to just kind of review everything that we've talked about and kind of just sum it up because we we covered a lot of really deep stuff. I'm going to go back and address those questions that we asked in the beginning and try to give a little bit of a simpler answer now that we've kind of covered the heavy stuff and covered the verses. First, heaven and hell is real, and you should care because we either go to one or the other. There is no in-between. There's no, you're going to one of them, and you're going to want to make sure that you're going to the right one. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. Of course, if you end up walking away from the faith and denouncing Jesus, then you are walking away from your salvation, but you can always come back and say, and you can always come back to Jesus is my point here. In terms of what determines whether or not you make it to heaven, pretty simple, believing in Jesus, believing that he's the son of God, that he died for your sins, for the sins of the world, and living a life of repentance and living a life that attempts to exemplify Jesus as best you can. And then if God is all-knowing, does he decide who goes where? No, he doesn't. By default, our nature is to sin and to be these super bad people, like depraved, like Holly was saying. God steps in and he gives us an alternative. So if we choose not to go with Jesus, then we're just going to our default. God does not send people. If it was up to him, everyone would be in heaven. But because we have free will, we have the choice. And if we didn't have free will, then none of our faith would be authentic. We would just be robots following Jesus. Um, That's really important to know is the free will aspect. And then in terms of baptism and works, and how that kind of ties into salvation. Baptism does not mean you're saved. It's just an outward expression of your faith. I've known a lot of people who've gotten baptized multiple times, and I think it's a really great thing to do on your own versus when you're a baby and just have your friends and family around and show that that's something that you are going to devote your life to. God, having God in your heart and inviting him into your life, living a life that tries to exemplify Jesus and what he, what he stood for and who he was. When you invite Jesus into your heart, He's going to clean that bad stuff out and you're just going to become better. And it's going to take some time and it's going to be super awkward and difficult. And there's going to be times where you're like, I don't want to give up this sin. A Christian life is not necessarily easy, but it's 10 times more fulfilling and more. It's better in the end. So works and salvation go hand in hand. Obviously, you don't need to donate and feed the homeless and that's not going to make you saved. It's just going to show that you have good faith. There's a lot of research that you can do on these these topics. Holly and I gave you a bunch of verses. I definitely encourage you to go and read those and meditate on these and do your own research. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thanks for listening in, y'all. Grace and peace.